Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of And Why. My name is Annie and I'm the host of this podcast. Today's episode is going to be with Gwen. She is a Googler. She works in the trust and safety section and she's going to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, And she's also going to talk about why she moved away from academia, which was in psychology and neuroscience, and go straight into corporations. And then she's also going to talk about her passion for mental health and suicide prevention. And this is going to be a little tricky episode, you know, touchy episode if you guys, just as a little warning, um, if you guys have experience with that, uh, this is going to be a touchy episode, but it's really important for us to talk about it. Um, I'm going to include some links in the description of, you know, suicide prevention hotlines that you can access if you need it, but we're going to talk all of that today in this episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. Hey Gwen, how are you doing? Hello Annie, um, I'm doing great. Um, this weekend um, I went to Ann Arbor Art Fair, um, had Korean barbecue. Overall has nice. been an awesome weekend for me. How are you? I'm good. My weekend was really busy, but I'm good as well. New York has been really, really hot. It's like 90 degrees now and just you walk out and you're just like, let me go back inside. I'm like <laughs> summer is so great. <laughs> Um, but I just before for the audience you don't know, just wanted to kind of share this like backstory of how we met because it was a kind of cool story. Um, so I took I went to this the Columbia boot camp and I met your mom there and she like listened to my podcast and then she was like, You should meet my daughter. <laughs> and that's how that's how we connected. Yep, yeah. Um my mom is um in Columbia Bootcamp right now and she told me um I think after the first day, right? Because you you met in the first yeah. day. Uh she's like, Hey, there's someone around your age in my bootcamp. <laughs> her name's Annie. Uh, this is her podcast, you have to look for it. So I, I li- she listened to it first and then I listened to your podcast and that's how we met. <laughs> that's so cool like I did not expect that to happen you know I you know I feel like podcasts like it's a hit or miss for some people to like want to listen so I was very intrigued and but I'm really glad we had this conversation we had a great conversation like prior to this episode Um, but yeah okay let's go into your job at Google which is ooh, so cool I seen that Google hat in the background oh (laughs) (laughs) what do you do at Google and um uh what why did you want to like take that job oh um this is gonna be a little long if it's okay um so, (laughs) so I joined Google about a year ago to be a part of its um trust and safety organization as trust and safety specialist um, and we're working to protect our users and make my product area, YouTube, more safe. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, I am not at liberty to say at what, uh, as to what exactly I'm doing mm-hmm. on my day-to-day work. But ultimately, I'm working with my team of about 15 people to balance respect for diverse viewpoints, viewpoints mm-hmm. that I or my team members may not necessarily agree with, while also giving a platform to marginalized voices. So mm. Trust and Safety Org works to make sure that we are developing rules that we can enforce consistently and policies that may help reduce real-world harm from the internet while preserving people's right to express themselves freely. Um, I would like to say that we operate 
that what we operate is a big responsibility mm-hmm. and we feel um we feel the weight of our responsibility since our values may cause tension or the calls we make may be controversial and really think of that impact uh, of the impacts of our decisions so mm. yeah um, what I'm doing is trust and safety um, we're um, making or enforcing policies um, in the internet to make um, the platform more safe <laughs> yeah yeah so and why did you why did you take that because I know that's not what you necessarily Uh, majored in like why did you decide to move into that direction yep uh it's actually pretty interesting and random (laughs) i think uh from our previous um conversation i told you about how i got this uh i was a i was very um basically i was working towards like academia i was in research in multiple research labs and everything and i got a research lab uh research assistant um offer but uh it was rescinded due to covid mm. um and then i applied to multiple college for like you know my post my graduate school um in all of them in England, weirdly enough, but um, <laughs> I, I get accepted into like three, which is Queen Mary University, King's College, and Keele University, uh, a college that I worked in and at Google. And what makes me, f- uh, so the three college, they all are in psychology, which is what I majored in, uh, right. except King's College, because that was in neuroscience, which was also what I majored in. But Google is in trust and safety, something that is very, very different from what I have been mm-hmm. in. Right, right. Um, um, so I, I, th- I guess I just want to explore what I never know because throughout my college years, for, for four years, I've been working towards this thing, which is research in psychology. Um, and I haven't really explored something else. I haven't really explored something outside of academia. I only work mm-hmm. in university or hospital. So because I never have a plan on working at a corporation and something that is outside of research and something that is outside of psychology, I decided to, before I settle down, settle down, quote unquote, in my career, <laughs> um, I want to learn something else. Um, what is this about? Um and um, will it work out for me? Or at least uh, in the beginning, I was thinking like, oh, if this is something that I wouldn't like, I will know by taking this job. But if I never tried at all, I wouldn't. I would never know what I don't right. like or don't or like. So right. yeah, taking this job, fortunately, I really like it. Even though it's something that is very outside of my experience, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, it's corporation and it's in trust and safety. Uh, it deals with policies, deals with uh, cybersecurity, something that is very outside of uh, my comfort zone, basically. Um, but uh, here I learn things that I like and things that I don't like, which is um, something to keep in mind if I were to go ahead with taking my master's or PhD in the future. Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, that's something that I've noticed as well, that like when you're in college and when you're young, it's really important to try multiple careers Mm -hmm. and you're going to change your careers like multiple times in your lifetime but it's so important when you're young to just like try everything because so many people think that you have to do what you majored in and they kind of 
they they stay in this like one track lane and then they realize they they never really wanted to be here Mm -hmm. until they tried something new and they're like it's exciting it's different and they're like oh I maybe I'll like this and then it takes them down a different path so I'm curious to see where you're going to go afterwards do you have any plans on what you want to do if you know Google were to end one day like do you know like oh like you, do you want do you want to go back to psychology or research or neuroscience or any of the things that you majored in? Oh, that's that's a very interesting question. Um, I think I still I'm still in love with psychology and neuroscience, mm-hmm. and it is still in my plan. Maybe not like next year. Maybe mm-hmm. more like a five ten years plan. I'm gonna go back to school in to graduate school to do more research on psychology and neuroscience. But um. Yeah, I, I think I'm still in love with that idea. Uh, maybe I will not work in academia as much because I've seen the difference between academia and corporation. And um, I worked in nonprofit too before. So I kind of have like, you know, um, right. comparisons, I would say. And <laughs> knowing academia, I really value my work-life balance. So mm-hmm. I would prefer not go back to that but i i would still like to do um more research uh going forward Hmm. yeah Hmm. so when you studied psychology what was the main thing that you focused on and like what was your reason for choosing psychology oh um the okay the reason i chose psychology is very interesting uh, as a kid (laughs) um I like to read, like most kids, but um, I specifically really like to read like self-help books and mm-hmm. things like uh, teens like, but I like to read it when I was like eight years old. Um, self-help books, uh, specifically developmental psychology for some reason, and mm-hmm. up to this day, that's still my favorite. Um, so, uh, and during high school years, I take a lot of assessment as to what my what I should majored in uh, in college and a lot of them come out to be like um, medical school and things like that which I, I was a pre-med major but I want something more n- not narrow but like more specialized niche? I guess yeah yeah more niche um, so um, finally I just decided to take psychology and neuroscience within like a pre-medical path um but i would say i i choose psychology not because of only because i like to help people but understanding human psyche is very interesting to me um um it explains my own experience and other people's experience and give me a channel to help people and in that regard um my main specialty when I was uh, when I was in college is actually suicide prevention. It's something that I am very mm. passionate about, and even at Google, I uh, during on May during um, the Mental Health Month, um, I made a office wide uh, presentation on suicide prevention. Mm. Um, May was also a AAPI month so uh, my presentation was on suicide prevention in AAPI community because that is something that um, suicide prevention organizations tend to overlook 
mm. uh, at least in the US. Um, but yeah, uh, in suicide prevention, I interned for a year <laughs> in this uh, suicide prevention nonprofit uh, in Ohio. And yeah, that's basically my main thing, though in my labs, because suicide prevention labs are very rare. So I tend to work in a more um, emotional regulation labs, depression labs, and things like that still related to suicide prevention. Mm. Was there was there like a personal reason why you decided to focus on suicide prevention? Like, was there some like immediate family member or something? Because I know like people who care about it a lot usually are affected by it or like was traumatized by you know personal life reasons did you have any of that or was it just kind of like out of um, empathy for people um, or people online or you just under just like maybe like even doing the nonprofit work you've like mm-hmm. built that empathy yeah um, unfortunately my answer would be um, it is something that um, someone really close to me um, did um so yeah that's really hard yeah um i uh to be honest uh, to be honest at first it was just a a very not an interesting thing but i was like okay suicide is the most the very niche end of psychology something that is very uh a topic that is very underfunded and i just want to learn about it and actually, during my uh, time interning at Suicide Prevention Foundation, a very close friend of mine um, died by suicide, which is unfortunate. And mm-hmm. I would say that caused me uh, to be m- more passionate about it, if anything. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. Um, and I, I think the main thing, too, before it even happens was that in Asia suicide rates is very very high yeah, um, it and it is something to think about and to pay attention to um, that's why during my tenure in that internship I was trying to find out like uh, the risk factor and protective factors for AAPI here at least because it's very different um, we have very different culture than Asia in Asia and one of the risk factors here in the U.S. is actually discrimination, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah. and or things such as um, not wanting to or being pushed out of assimilation to their roots. For example, um, mm-hmm. I heard a lot of stories of um, Asians diaspora who lives here. Um, who says um, when they were in elementary school, they bring uh, Asian meal to their mm-hmm. Asian lunch, and their friends tease them for that. Um, and it's it's just one of those little things, but it prevents them from from assimilating or embracing their cultures, and it is one of risk factors for uh, suicide for API in the U.S. Wow, I did not know that because I got I got bullied too for like little things like that, um, and it's funny because I uh, I just interviewed someone uh, the other day and she started a nonprofit that was actually t- teaching kids culture through food because he, she also experienced that like 
little like you know bullying and teasing mm-hmm. when she was younger too but with the food that she brought to school so it's really interesting I didn't think that it was like that big of a deal but then when you look back I, I do realize that most people like most of my Asian friends we all kind of moved out of our cultures and we try to kind of blend in with the American culture mm-hmm. or we're trying to achieve whiteness in a sense have you ever felt that I know you like moved here not too like long ago yeah yeah I moved here after high school um so I don't really have that um kind of experience but I do have like I do have a a desire I guess to blend in to fit in Mm -hmm. um maybe not through food because I guess when we're all adults back in college people don't really tease me about food as much but um small things like um I I collect 12 puppets, like Indonesian puppets. And it's still something that people are weirded out by. They're like, why do you have puppets and things like that? Um, Maybe they don't have like a bad intentions and things, uh, bad intentions, but it's something to, for me to be mindful of or um, next time when I talk to someone, I would be like tone my Asian-ness a bit, you know? Uh So um, it's, it's, one of those things it's very small um but uh especially during formative years which is like in um middle school um you really want to fit in like, i remember when i was in middle school i really want to fit in and mm. food is something that is very personal and yeah. very like uh cultural to us that we want to hold on to it but if our friends are if my friends were teasing me for my food i would also probably do the same and right, um right. I may bring it to like not only food related but um style um because sometimes I would wear things that um I would wear my <laughs> um traditional clothes to my oh, work and oh. they they like it but if I think that I would wear it in middle school here maybe people will see me kind of differently you know what I mean right right so um yeah it, um assimilation is not necessarily a bad thing but if you were to remove your asianness or your identity that's when it will become a risk factor because mm-hmm. um i'd say at the end of the day it is just very human for us to want to be fit in to want to fit in yeah. to a society but uh, when we remove a big part of ourselves that's when it becomes risky for our mental health yeah like not being able to embrace who you are mm-hmm. yep <laughs> opens the door of like the, the risk of not feeling like you can you know walk this life I guess mm-hmm. I, that I, that's important that's so interesting I didn't know that um because I have friends who maybe because we were born here mm-hmm. um so we had both American and Asian culture you know constantly um in equal parts because we come home we go to school and like it's like equal amount of time um so I I think we have a pretty good balance but I've I know like some people really walked the the line really hard and they couldn't figure out a good balance of both cultures but it's really hard it's really hard to find a happy medium yep yep I agree um yeah was that like what most people said when you worked at the suicide prevention like center? 
like did they talk about not being accepted for who they are and like their culture or was that something you learned over time Mm, I would say it's more of what I learned in my internship Mm. um and again Ohio uh, even though I live in like the city where it's one of the more diverse parts of Ohio it's still Ohio where it's you know mostly Caucasian and very little Asian if there is I I would say there's like 7% or 12% of Asia so Mm -hmm. Asian people so um, it's very hard for them to have um, a sense of belonging and it's one of the triggering part when um, I I, I hear this a lot from Asian people that I talk to um, not being West enough Mm. but not being is enough at the same time so I totally agree with you finding the balance is very hard but again since I moved here when I started college I would say I'm very east uh yeah. as much as I, <laughs> I I try to be west as in like you know some uh west mindset I do have that more like openness and things like that but I do have a very like eastern upbringing and eastern root that um no matter how hard i try i wouldn't i wouldn't um trade my korean barbecue with uh steak i'd say you know what i mean yeah 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 so so, yeah Uh, it it is something that uh, a lot of people are struggling with um not even only asian i talk to um native americans and it is something that when they try to reject it they have like this conflicting values and uh, mm-hmm. trauma manifests in different things sometimes it is something that they see or experience like we work with veterans it causes trauma but when um things are against our value or principles it could also trigger trigger trauma that may trigger um suicidal ideations or thoughts so mm-hmm. um being struggling with your identity is a form of trauma and mm. yeah it is something that is often overlooked because um a lot of program uh are ve- a lot of suicide prevention program v- are focusing on a small subset of trauma while you know overlooking other types of trauma yeah yeah wow well I learned so much (laughs) about this and it's it's such a serious topic and you know it's Mm -hmm. it's good that we're like talking about it um and I know like mental health is like one of your passions and I know like we talked about in our last call um how are you like applying that in your corporate job because like how do you like work towards your passion while working like a major corporate job like do you like try to implement in google or do you like have like a side project that you're doing like how do you um focus on your passion while juggling your nine to five? Oh, um i'd say i try to um implement this anytime i could at google mm-hmm. like i have this that, that presentation i'm also working as a blue dot um lead in my office blue dot is this google wide um 
program where we are it's sort of like a suicide hotline program but it's within google and it's not mm-hmm. necessarily suicide it's anything oh like oh i'm anxious because i will have this performance review it's basically a listening it's like it's basically a peer listening program that we have and i'm working in that um i'm working uh, presentation anytime i could uh, for suicide prevention or mental health um, and I'm also working with Pride at Google um, to better uh, to better um, LGBT experience uh, when using one of our products. Um, but outside of Google, I'm still working with um, I forgot the entire name, AFSP Michigan chapter, which is a suicide prevention. Um, in Michigan or um, working with friends usually because sometimes we tend I, I think I tend to like work with organization work with this while kind of forget to check in with my friends and it's like individual yeah, yeah. things so uh, yeah, I tend yeah. to like check in with friends and things like that it's it doesn't have to be a grand thing that I'm doing it I don't have to like you know teach people on suicide prevention or um, mm-hmm. do some kind of things, get the certification, even checking in with friends is already practicing mm, um, wow. mm-hmm. mental health to me. So, yeah. That's very true. That's very true. When, when we're so busy trying to chase other things, we forget like the more important things in our life. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's really amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that because um, I, I do have a couple friends who deal with anxiety and depression, and it's like not easy. Um, and to see them work towards it every single day is is, um, is a gift. Um, so, wow, like that's amazing. Um, what do you plan on doing um, today? <laughs> oh, it <laughs> sounds like a fun thing to talk about. Yep. Um, today, I don't plan to do anything actually, and that's part of my self-care um because (laughs) because um during the weekdays i you know i work so hard so not uh, and yesterday i already do something so not doing anything watching netflix is already a thing to do just watching (laughs) netflix or um hanging out with my mom eating brownies go to the Mm -hmm. lake at the most um is uh already something to recharge i guess because i use yeah. a lot of my energy during weekdays do you do you feel that way too yes yes yeah. it's it's so important like recently i've really appreciated the mundane i think everyone when we're younger we chase like you know the excitement the living on the edge and all that stuff but like now i'm just kind of like going grocery shopping and you know doing the little things like doing laundry like i actually appreciate that a lot more um, like that time to like myself to do just boring things and it's like somehow exciting now you know That's I just nice. appreciate the normal a lot more mm-hmm. yeah it's it's nice um, but you you talking about self-care reminded me of mental health for ourselves mm-hmm. like how do you you know I know you're talking about helping other people and making you know spreading awareness on suicide prevention and mental health but like how do you um keep your mental health in check and making sure that you're okay um, while balancing all the other stuff that you do. Mm, 
That's a good question. I usually because again, like I told you, we tend to do like these big things, but sometimes I I tend to forget to like check in with my friends. So what I do is having friends check in with me because sometimes I work towards these things without right. even checking in with right. myself. And it's something that I still train myself to do to check in with myself. So having mentors in um in when I was in university or in at work or just my friends uh to check in with um oh I've been working too hard or oh I'm overcommitting myself. This is something I'm bad at. I, mm-hmm. I've I've been overcommitting myself. So um bettering my time management is something that I'm working for my self-care because I thought that oh um chasing after this thing is good chasing after these things is good it is good individually but when I'm working myself to the ground it's not good so having a good time management and also setting aside time to just do nothing I notice how good it is um I love um hanging out with friends after work um during work uh eating out for lunch and things like that but just not do anything and having no responsibility is what it does for me um just like taking bath with bath bombs it's very um cliche but that's what I love to do or Mm. just listening to music doing nothing or I don't know just not doing anything uh chilling in the lake uh there's lake uh nearby my my apartment and I just like to people watch there. It's a form of um, self-care for me. And again, checking in with yourself. Um, I tend to be very organized when checking in with myself. I couldn't just do like, how am I? Um, I think I mentioned earlier, I did a lot of self-assessment back in high school. So mm. that's what I'm doing with myself. Like, how am I feeling? How's my food going? How's my yeah. sleeping going? So I have that um, self-check while also like checking with my friends and my friends holding me accountable to checking in with me to yeah, know yeah, like yeah. how I'm doing and things like that. I just like the assess- assessment things. So Yeah, that's really important, having good friends to kind of check in on you and you check in on them vice versa and that's really important yeah yeah how how do you usually do your self-care by the way honestly just letting things go um that's a big thing for me because I think I tend to hold on to routines or get attached to um a goal or an idealized version of myself but sometimes you just gotta like if you're tired you just gotta sleep in like just Mm. let it let it go you know like I because I always wanted to wake up at a certain time but if I'm tired and my body's needing to sleep I'm just gonna let it sleep and like that's kind of my way of like giving myself self-care and like if I'm not okay then I'm going to make sure that I prioritize myself over whatever else that I think is important at the moment like maybe my job you know Mm. yes it's important but um, if I'm not okay I, I won't be able to perform as best as I want so it just comes back to me at the end, right? So it's really important to put myself at the forefront of everything. So wow, I I love that. Actually, um, letting things go of our goals is like because attachment to our goals is something in our like early twenties. People yeah. are like that, uh, or oh, I want to do this and that. So I'm glad that you do that, and it's it sounds good. 
it's yeah, very it's, profound it's a balance, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, balance. Mm-hmm. a lot of people like I used to like constantly beat myself up for not meeting my goals but now it's just like it's fine like I, I have so much time and we're so young true uh, and just I I think I was talking to my friends about it this morning I was like we're so young but we're always rushing like we're always rushing to do something achieve something but like we can achieve the same thing when we're 40 60 and um, it's it's totally fine like no one's going to scrutinize you for being late you know it's mm-hmm. when you when you succeed you succeed you know and it can, it can take 20 years it can take one month it can take one day um, but putting the pressure on ourselves won't make it go any faster so totally agree yeah um, I actually because you talk to your friends I also have kind of similar conversation on how uh well, my friends, some of them are in late 20s or mid 20s, but still we are in our 20s, but they feel like they're running out of time. And it's yeah, a, but yeah. literally that's like a third of our lives. Yeah. Uh, and everyone, everyone that I talk to talks about like, oh, I feel like running out of time. I need to do this. It's <laughs> Life is like a milestones. And uh something that I noticed after I graduated college was looking back and was like, wow, I really worked towards those 4.0 or towards those this that I missed that time where my friends are hanging out at Panera. Like those little things may make a difference. And I just, I don't want to miss out again. So I totally agree with you. Um, It's very easy to feel like we're running out of time, but we still have a lot of times. And yeah. yeah. But it's also the society, the way they put you mm-hmm. in a place where they feel like you feel like you have to have kids by 30 or you have to be you have to be so successful and like you have to get a house. And like that's like a marker of success. But success is arbitrary and it's so personal. And some people don't want kids. Some people don't want to marry. Some people are totally fine living a five figure income for the rest of their lives. Like it's mm-hmm. it's like so different for everyone. Um, but we put so much pressure on ourselves when we're in our early 20s to be like on track to reach that goal, that milestone. And then and like if we don't meet it, then we're like, oh, we suck. We failed. And then and then it just becomes this like bad cycle. And that goes back to like mental health and, mm-hmm. you know, suicide, suicide prevention, because people get into like these negative loops and then they feel like they hit rock bottom because they haven't right. reached what they what their identity told them to reach, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's it's really, really crucial to um, let things go and let, like, let life happen as it is, you know? Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm really glad we talked about this. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think I had an episode that really talked about uh, suicide prevention and uh, mental health this deeply um, and, you know, connecting it back to culture and, like, how – we can apply it to ourselves and like our lives so yeah thank you so much for joining me in this episode and sharing such you know an amazing conversation with me and i hope you have a great day of doing nothing <laughs> <laughs> i i wish i could do nothing but i have things to do but um yeah i hope you have a great time with your mom thank tell your you. mom i said hi okay <laughs> um okay. yeah Okay, thank, thank you, you so much, me. Annie, for um, inviting me to this podcast. I really enjoy it. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. 
Hey, lovely people. If you guys are interested in listening to more episodes from us, since you made it all the way to the end, might as well subscribe to our podcast. And if you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts, please, if you want to, give us a rate and review so that we can reach more people with our stories. If you guys don't want to do any of those things, uh, if you want to, share us on social media and we'd love to hear what you guys think of this episode. And to look, I look forward to seeing you in other episodes as well. But yeah, bye.